Marvel Ultimate Spider-Man. Just flip it. Marvel Universe on Disney XD New Original Series Sunday 11:10 Central starting April 1st. DisneyXD.com. Dear listener to our podcast, Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, where we journey through each issue of comics that include a member of the most underrated Marvel series from the 80s while drinking beer, analyzing awesome and amazing adjacent adolescent adventures, and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. It's not time to make a change. Just random. Take it easy. You're still young. That's your fault. There's so much you have to know. Find a girl. Settle down. If you want, you can banter. Look look at me. I am old, but I'm happy. Random banter time, buddy. Talk to me. Tell me tall tales and tantalizing tidbits of trivia today. That would be Father and Son by mm-hmm. Yusuf Cat Stevens as mm-hmm. immortalized recently in the final episode of Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. But it also deals with fathers and sons. And really, mm-hmm. that's what this book is all about. Just fathers and sons. Sons and fathers. That's all this series has been about, in all honesty. This is kind of the culmination of it, but it's all been about father and son, fathers and sons. Each and every one of those just jammed together, and this is the culmination of it. So, yes. Good choice, and I think it also was in your head because you have been watching a lot of Ted Lasso. Yeah, yeah, I have been watching a lot of Ted Lasso, and that was the... uh... I don't know how (laughs) I knew that, because we honestly haven't really spoken the past couple weeks too much, but I do know your viewing habits because... I can kind of watch what you're watching on my Plex server. Yes, because I watched it on your Plex. So, yes, you get to spy on me. And it's kind of fun when you're like, hey, I noticed you're watching Ted Lasso this episode. And I'm going to be turning the Plex off server off in a minute because of these reasons. So, just a heads up. (laughs) I'm like, yep, okay. I'm like, I'm doing stuff on it. And I'm looking, I'm like, oh, there's two people watching things. Well, I know one person who's watching Doctor Who right now, and that would be me. Who Mm -hmm. else is watching something? Oh, it's Jeff watching Ted Lasso. Yes, it was. (laughs) So, yes, you have watched all of Ted Lasso, I see. So I I have. It's fantastic. I loved it. Yeah. Getting to watch it wholesale instead of piecemeal on YouTube. Pretty fantastic. Probably a little bit of a different show. It is honestly a lot of a different show. It's uh, It surprised me with stuff that popped up. Sometimes the order of where it would be and other times little... Bits of story that I had never known about before that got sandwiched in there where I'm like, oh, I know these scenes, but I didn't know this scene in between it. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of bounce back forward. I know that right now I am rewatching it with my best friend and like, we'll just, he's in North Dakota. I'm here. So I will, we'll get on the phone with each other. We'll both say, okay, play now. And we'll watch it together and kind of be laughing and enjoying things oh, nice. and kind of chatting about it afterwards. So we used to watch TV shows together all the time. So it's. I mean, it'd be nicer if he was in the room, like we could like say more things, but it still is pretty good. It's a way we can still kind of connect and it, the show's hitting him hard for a lot of, lot of reasons. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good show and very good show to talk to about and very good show to rewatch about. Mm-hmm. So I, I also know that you have done nothing else in the past couple of weeks because you've been sick boy. 
Yes, I've been sick, boy. I had to uh, stay here to take care of some uh, work that needed doing, which was good because my family went out of town to go on a camping trip with other friends of ours. And a couple of days after they had left, I tested positive for COVID. It came and hit me like a truck. They left on Friday. And Sunday night late, I said, wow, I feel really bad. And the next day I felt even worse. And then I took a COVID test and it was as positive as could be. Where it's just like, wait the 15 minutes, don't read. I'm like, this is immediately said you have COVID. <laughs> I will wait the 15 minutes. But So your family, are they still MIA? They're still MIA, yeah. They were, uh, were going to be gone for four or five days, something like that. And then... They were like, all right, I guess we can come back and get that hotel in Beaverton and stuff. Da, da, da. And then they said, hey, wait a minute. We don't have to be anywhere. School's not going on. Nothing's going on. We could just extend the vacation. So they did. So they went camping to Newport for a while. And then they got a cabin up at Stubb Stewart for a couple of days. And then they Sunday, I think, came back into town and got a place, got a hotel in town. And they're going to stay there for to Thursday morning. And that worked out well because then they can go swimming and do whatever they're doing and Aurora's uh, school started up on Monday, so they just segued right into hotel living, Zach and Cody's The Sweet Life. <laughs> and so they're getting to dodge my 10 days of don't be around people time frame. So Very nice. That's, that's what's going on. So yeah, so they're dodging me and I'm just hanging out, being ill, popping antivirals and watching TV. So that's been nice. my life for the last eight, nine days. Very nice. I, I, well, yeah. I mean, bad that you got sick. Good that y'all in a situation where you can figure out a way around it. So Yeah, it worked out really good so that they could just completely dodge it. So that way it's like, oh, you want to have five days of isolation and five days of wearing a mask around people. And it's like, how about just 10 days of nobody? Okay, there we go. So that's been me taking care of the cat. <laughs> well, it's kind of funny because right now, nobody at your house and nobody at my house. My wife and daughter went up to see my in-laws up in Seattle. Yesterday morning, I put them on a train to go up to Seattle area, and they went up there. So I've had the house to myself, which is great because I'm really busy in my new job at work. <laughs> and I have just decided, well, I can get caught up on work. So I've been working a lot of hours, and I was in Salem today, and I worked really hard. I've just been working very hard, mm -hmm. very, very hard. So I'm really hoping I'm going to do well on this comic book as we read it tonight because... I mean, I, I have been do, still doing my trying to record all of my stuff into my Plex server so people like you can watch it. Mm -hmm. And I've got lots of stuff in there now. I've made it over a thousand movies in there. Whoa. <laughs> I did get to cheat a little bit because our friend who helped set us up on this, he upgraded his server and he sold me his old server. And so he came over and we installed it and he said, hey, when I got it all up, cleaned up and everything and we put new things in there for you so you got more storage i went ahead and left my movies on there my movies and tv shows on there so take what you want get rid of what you don't like <laughs> sweet <laughs> like i'll just leave it there that saved me a lot of recording and i got a lot yep. of things a lot of stuff that i may never ever watch but i got mm -hmm. it on there so what the heck so lots of fun fun stuff no that's neat and that's welcome to modern media where there's too much to see so you'll potentially never ever get to see any or all of it I've got more than enough stuff to keep me entertained for quite a while, which I'm mm -hmm. happy about. But they they had some cooking shows on there, which my wife was very happy to be able to watch. And yeah, just, you know, that kind of fun stuff. 
I've got no other real. I, I, I've been watching, rewatching a lot of Doctor Who, which is kind of fun. I started that beginning. It's for my own enjoyment. That's neat. I'd go back and watch those again. I thought I would show my daughter some of it, but I forgot that Doctor Who is. It is a sci-fi show, but it's also a horror show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's predominantly a horror show is what it and really boils I down to. Really forgot that. So I'm mm-hmm. watching. I'm like going, you know. My daughter might not really like this. She she might not think that this is a kindness. So. Doctor Who quote right there. <laughs> I got to try to get her a little bit of knowledge of Doctor Who. She knows what a TARDIS is. She can spot a TARDIS mm-hmm. from 20 paces away. So she's got that going for her. You should take her back to the old uh, Tom Tom Baker stuff and everything. That era where it's a lot less horror and it's a lot more just running around a uh, water treatment plant, a quarry. <laughs> And a TARDIS set. Yeah. I guess we should also mention, too, if we haven't said enough, we are playing Bachelor this weekend, which means that the house is ours for in both of our respected areas. And we are the lords of our manor. And that manor, in, in both of our cases, is infested with cats. Mm-hmm. And my youngest cat finally has escaped out of here and has left me alone, but she probably will be back and will be pestering me. Jeff's cat is right in his face and yelling at him. Yeah, just been nonstop since we started recording. <laughs> we apologize for the feline intrusions. We will try to work around them, but seriously, we got a comic book to talk about, so let's get to it. Jeff, give us a two cents replay of the last episode. After the Future Foundation delayed the Celestials 28 minutes, then got left in the cold for their troubles, Alex called a rideshare that he's part of to pick them up, so the show up for the pickup was Friday carrying the rest of Power Pack. Power Pack and the rest of these nobodies then went to the Forever City where they beat up some of all Moloids so that they could take over Saul's Anvil before Power Pack, sans Alex, and all the useless NPCs flew away on Fridays so they would stop cluttering up the place being useless. Now that the the whole of Power Pack was here and it made me so happy to be able to do my Jack voice again, two sentence replay is over, why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our Power Pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. I would like you to reach in the bag and uh, be very careful because there's something very dangerous in there. Mm, let's find out what it is. Off-color brewing. Apex Predator. Very nice. That is a little sketch drawing, black and white, of a very froed-out lion. Yes, yes, yes. An Apex Predator by Off-Color Brewing. 6.5% ABV, 46 IBU. When you brew as much as we do, sometimes we get tired of telling the yeast what to do. For Apex Predator Farmhouse Ale, we pitch the yeast cold, turn off the temperature control, and let the yeast do its thing. To our delight, it spat out the sweet scent of juicy fruit wafting from a frothy white mane. Brewed only with grain and sugar, unencumbered by the heat of the kiln, we create a hazy golden body... Apex Predator gets its teeth from a generous crystal dry hopping that completes the dry finish with a fruity bite. Pounce on the upper to let it part your lips and you may find yourself at the top of the food chain. Jeff, 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 Jeff. Before we describe this, tell me, why do you think I would choose something called Apex Predator? Oh, well, because we're talking about the Apex Predator in the Marvel Universe, which obviously is not for Mad Celestials. Obviously is not the Fantastic Four. Obviously is not Galactus. It is obviously... Uh, a small boy named Franklin Richards. That is right. That is the one apex predator that nobody really expects. You may expect the Spanish Inquisition, but you will never suspect Franklin Richards. It kind of smells like soap. Now my sinuses, my, now my my sinuses and my smeller is kind of shot, but it has been coming back. It kind of has a soapy smell. No, it does not. <laughs> 
But to me, it kind of has a soapy smell. It has a little bit of, uh, <laughs> again, COVID, baby. My nose is dead. I have, it was, it's been the weirdest thing in the world where I'm like, I know this has an ascent to it and there's nothing there. So for the longest time, I had just everything was neutral. Everything was fresh air. And I'm like, I know parts of this house do not have this fresh air smell. I know <laughs> that this tea does not have just fresh air smell. So much of the world just smells just pleasant and plain and nice right now. So, so, no, it is not a soapy smell. It is, this is a farmhouse ale. The smell is a little bit yeasty, a little bit wheaty. So, we get that, what's kind of known as that farmhouse, sweet, outdoorsy kind of smell. It is very, very mild, though. Very mild. Again, kind of a, a soapy... Kind of floral, yeah, little just, bit of just, yeasty. Just, you aren't helping anybody. But that's me, and I'm I'm skewing <laughs> the data's results. But uh, it is very, a nice little blonde. Yeah, much like our nice. little Franklin Richard. Yeah, very clear. Uh, lots mm-hmm. of little bubbles coming up from it, though. Mm-hmm. Very frothy. It's classic, classic beer, kind of. Yeah. But this is a enjoyable taste. I want to say this is very, very mild, extremely mild, very sweet. Mild, very sweet, a little floral, a little mm-hmm. uh, little yeasty, little farm wheat dust in the yeah. air kind of a flavor. Not real hoppy at all. I'm not getting too much hop hits. Very little, minor on the back end. Yeah, very minor, a little bitter on the back end. And I think it says quite true. A little dry finish with the fruity bite. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, this very much so. Enjoyable. I'm not a giant farmhouse ale type person but this is very sweet very enjoyable it's been muggy here lately i would not say that this is perfect for muggy weather this is perfect for those dry hot days which we were having about like a week ago even and that would be perfect for this this Mm -hmm. is definitely one of those summer score summer scorching weather dusty fields clear your chaps yeah, not bad. <laughs> it's fairly decent. It fairly is, decent. It, it, it's good for the season. It's very yes. good for the season. Uh, I do not. Li- I do not hate this at all. I think this is a very nice, enjoyable beer. This would be a fun one to have with your friends. Six point five ABV. I think you need to be very careful with this beer. Mm-hmm. It will this sneak up down, on you. This goes down extremely smooth. This would. This is kind of the feeling of a nice light beer that you would have at a bar where you're just pounding them down with your friends. Six point five percent. You are in trouble, my friend. Yeah, it's gonna start catching up to you real quick. <laughs> real quick. Okay, we've got an apex predator and a few in this book. Yeah, we kind of made a joke about it, but we have a few of them in this book. So let's get to it, Jeff. Opening credits, if you can get by your snotty nose to tell us about what those are. Fantastic Four, Volume 1, Issue Number 604, May 2012, Forever, Part 5. Credits, Writer, Jonathan Hickman, Penciler, Steve Epting, Inkers, Rick Magyar, with Steve Epting. Colorist, Paul Mounts, Letters in Production, VCs Clayton Cowles, Cover Art, Mike Chow and Guru EFX. Assistant Editor, John Denning. Associate Editor, Lauren Senkovich. Editor, Tom Brevoort. Editor-in-Chief, Axel Alonzo. Chief Creative Officer, Joe Casada, Publisher, Dan Buckley. Executive Producer, Alan Fine. Unending, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Featuring the Fantastic Four, Mr. Fantastic, Invisible Woman, and The Thing, and The Human Torch. And also, we got the Future Foundation with Spider-Man, 
Nathaniel Richards, Franklin Richards, Valeria Richards, and that's about it, actually, because you do see the rest of the Future Foundation a little bit. We do see Alex in one panel, but that's really not important, because you know what? We got more important things, like the other guest stars, future Franklin Richards, future Valeria Richards, and present-day Galactus. Okay, a big mic drop from the last episode when that Uber device the Council of Reeds built to destroy the Celestials was actually destroyed prior to it being booted up. One of these Reeds just had to download the Uber Eats app on the machine. That bloated the system. <laughs> Rookie mistake. Actually, shoving the glasses up the bridge of the nose, there are a few issues of Fantastic Four we did not cover because they refused to pay to have Power Pack in the issues. Fools. All right. Yeah. Okay, so here's a quick recap. There's a dominating Kree armada that is about to destroy Earth, but thanks to Reed calling up Galactus, it gets dealt with. Galactus then scolds Reed for wasting his time and says that he was only supposed to be called for the title card bout, which is the Quad of Chaotic Cosmic Gods. First round, Galactus takes out one of the four Mad Celestials, but then they go all Mighty Morphin Power Rangers on him, and the three remaining ones combine into the dead one and become a Super Celestial. And they destroy Galactus, one big G crater on the planet goes splat. Now Reed and the rest finally boot up the super weapon and bust apart the Megazord into its three alive Celestials and its one dead component part, which is more manageable, I guess. But they leave a pretty bad Yelp review about Saul's anvil. And now we are back to the destroyed super weapon and the final match. Now that the future versions of the youngest members of the team, aka Valeria and Frank, have shown up, things are gonna get interesting. Oh, and we will call the older versions of the characters by those names to distinguish them from the younger Val and Franklin. Nice entrance, kids. Couldn't have shown up before the space robots kicked our teeth in? Asking for a friend. It doesn't have teeth anymore. Question? Are we sure this is future Val? Because she looks at Frank and gives him a compliment, saying he has always been her favorite hero. She always is playing to the ego of power. Now, about those Celestials... They are looking a bit confused at it. And worried at it. And scared at it. I think their words are, Danger, Danger Doom! Which will be my new rock band's name. Sorry, my dude. Danger Doom has already been used by a project with Danger Mouse and MF Doom, who are so much more talented than you. Speaking of more talent than me, and power as well, Frank gives the space gods a Dwayne Johnson eyebrow raise with some glowy eyes and makes the Celestials go... Flump. There it is! High fives all around between Frank, Valeria, and Nathaniel Richards. Years and timelines of planning and work have paid off, and all it took was manipulating their younger selves, lying to family members, and killing off some excess reeds. Woohoo! While the future people discuss all of the specific dominoes that fell down so well, the rest of the people, who live in the now timeline... Uh, yeah, I mean, Franklin, Val, Johnny, Ben, Sue, Reed, and Peter? Yeah, those guys. They are still in a stunned silence as they process how they have been deceived and used and saved by future kids. Reed starts off by asking where the bad guys went. He was seconds away from sciencing them. Oh, they were just sent into a local gas giant. Leave it to Frank to send the space robots into a fart cloud. Okay, well, uh, no, but, you know, whatever. Frank is about to get sentimental talking to his dad, but gets a... Spoilers! From Nathaniel, so he moves his attention to Frank. Franklin presents his older self a big ball of energy, kind of his cosmic power reserve, passes it off to his older self just as the space gods pop back. They feel that Frank's earlier action of teleporting them into space was rude, and they would like to answer that with an energy blast of Frank's face. Zack. Sue and Reed ask an important question. 
Can their future son win against the three remaining Celestials? Credit to Nathaniel for not laughing in their face and calling them silly geese. Instead, he says, no. But he also says that Frank will find a way. Nathaniel has spent a bunch of time going across time to find the right amount and length of time to make this time the time that they win. I think you need a timeout. Nathaniel also drops this truth bomb on Reed. Hey, this is your fault, and you were supposed to die today. But luckily for you, your son loves you. Why? Reasons, okay? The point is, Frank would not let it stand, and so he figured out how to save Reed. I mean, you can buy a step stool or one of those grabby arm thingies to reach the top shelf. You really don't need Reed. Reed does have an important question, though. How did all this happen? Well, Reed, when a mommy and daddy love each other very much, or at least just enough, then... No, 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 no. I mean this. Mad space gods trying to blow up our planet. Again. This. Oh, that's because Reed met the other Reeds. You see, it's all Reed's fault. No, makes sense. And... It is one of those constants in the universe, like when you pour a cement pad at your home and you put your handprints in it, this must happen. I just put evidence into my wet cement. Ixnay on the onfisake. Ooh, <laughs> right. Sorry. So Frank has been battling these giant space robot thingies, trading punches and energy blasts, but now comes the part of the match where his energy bar is full, and it's time to tag in a partner. And with the words... Rise! Rise! Rise to me, my Galactus! Frank revives the previously destroyed Galactus. And now for the most shocking part of the story. This is a surprise to Val. She thought that it would be the weapon, or Galactus, or maybe the lightsaber she made. Not Frank. Sorry, little girl. You were just your grandpa's puppet, just like everyone else is. Also, Val cannot be trusted at this age. So says the older her. Ouch. There's another interesting point made. In all of the realities, the destruction of the Mad Celestials would only work here. Because all of the other reeds lacked one thing that 616 Reed has. A blockbuster video card? No. Well, yes. But I was talking about a sun. And that sun is killing it right now. He is directing Galactus and flying into the heart of an exploding Celestial, fixing the mistakes of his father. To save his father. And he blows them up real good. So well that the explosion looks like a second sun. Seen by everyone who has been playing a part in this little story. Including our boy Alex. Who is standing with the rest of the future foundation. Including Franklin and Val. But not the rest of Power Pack. Because gosh darn it we can't have nice things. But I think that they're also supposed to be on the other side of the world right now. I think it's supposed to be a representation of the future foundation together and the promise of their potential and eyes gazing long into the future. Sure. Have a no prize. And in the end, we see a Kirby crackling, glowing Galactus holding the powerful Frank in his hands. Then, Future Boy hugs his dad. The end. Wait, there's more. The not the end. We have a stinger scene of some trust exercises that Reed is doing with Franklin while everyone watches. Franklin is on this high ledge, and Reed is encouraging him to jump, promising that he will catch him. Franklin, much like everybody who knows Reed, is dubious. I mean, we all know Reed is an absent dad and all. What if he gets teleported to the negative zone mid-jump or something? Or one of his science instruments goes ding. Could happen. But no, Reed makes the argument that it is okay to be afraid or to fail, but to say that you're not even willing to try, hmm, no, we do not shoot Pinochle that way in this house, son. Or something to those regards. Franklin says that he's ready, and jumps when his dad tells him to fly. Now, 
the end or the beginning. Because we like to always do the power pack packaging at the end of our little synopses. And let's go ahead and talk about this little cover right here. We have the world's greatest comic magazine, Fantastic Four. Kind of classic. And we got Johnny Storm all fired up and nude flying across the top. We got Reed all stretchy-wetchy. And he's got his arm kind of like up and in a claw like he's about to claw Susan's head. Susan's there looking all, hi, I'm about to get clawed in the head by my husband. <laughs> and the thing's there in the front going, yeah, claw her in the head, Reed. Um, and then in a white strip down the side, we got those same people I talked about, little circular head things. We got thing, Human Torch, Reed, and Sue, Hickman, Epting, Magyar, Mounts. That's what we got. That's what we got. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, also, oh, oh, there's kind of a starry background of all that action going on, and there's a outline of a neon four there. So, that's what we got. We have nary a Spider-Man to see, which makes me upset. Well, no, this is Fantastic Four, not Fantastic Five. We don't need no, you know, fifth wheel hanging about here. No Spidey's men mucking up their pretty, pretty cover. We don't need him. Mike Choi mm. and Guru FX know what they're doing. They're making yeah. a generic cover that they could put on the on the front of any book. Any, any little book. Literally any book. Any book. It, ha it has nothing to do with anything other than it's the Fantastic Four. Although the non-flaming members of the group are in their uh, future foundation costumes. So yeah, it's going to start having a limited placement appeal here in a short bit, I bet. Yeah. Honestly, it's a nice enough cover. I just, this is a cool seminal issue. And there's a lot of cool stuff in this. And I, I'm a little disappointed because I think they could have had anything to really sell what this is. Yes. I mean, for goodness sakes, here's a better cover. And I don't think it would be giving anything away. I would have future Franklin there. Just that's it. Future Franklin, eyes glowing with his hand outstretched and saying to me and just mm -hmm. dot, dot, dot and leaving <laughs> it at that because that is one of the coolest parts about this book. Oh, and just, yeah. And just having that there hanging and it would be like, ooh, I'm walking by this cover. Mm -hmm. This guy, to me, my X-Men, to me, to me, yep. my what, to me, my what, to me, what, I want to know what's going on. Yep, that would be... This one tells me it's another book with Fantastic Four. Basically, yes, it is. It is a future, it's not even a future foundation, it's a Fantastic Four book. It has all the four members that you know and love or don't like or whatever. And once again, I like the cover. I think the art is oh, it's great. fantastic on it. I mm -hmm. just don't care. I would yeah, pass it, this by in a second. Yeah, it could, it could have a nice vague title tie-in, like you were saying, that would work really, really good. Get those Kirby crackles going on the cover along with the uh, future Franklin. Mm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To me. Yeah, that would be a good one. That That'd would be, be a great one. I don't have anything else to say about this cover. I think we got to get into it because this is the culmination of everything that's been going on that we've been reading since we've been picking up these books. Since Alex yeah. has shown up, really. It's true. It really Alex is. Alex has shown true. up with Future Foundation. I mean, technically... There still hasn't been enough of what the Future Foundation was supposed to do. It's just a place to dump a bunch of kids. But from what we've been reading about this book and where they start off with Fantastic Four, the, the fights with the cities, the Council of Reeds, all of the buildup, all the different plot threads coming together to this, I think it's pretty cool. I think it's pretty cool what Hickman did here and what mm -hmm. he kind of continues to do with this. He had a really epic little story that he wanted to tell, and I think... I mean, there, I know there's more that he's going to be doing. We aren't going to cover all that much more of it, though, right now. But this, I think, was a very cool send-up to this point and really saying, yes, here's the culmination of the story. I think it's pretty good. 
tied it together very nicely. It, Hickman writes like a scattergun. He just explodes out immediately, but then to start seeing some of those little vining branches start getting nipped out and watching everything kind of come into a conclusion was really, really, really gratifying. It was really neat. And that conclusion, especially of, of Franklin or Frank summoning his herald to himself, you know, to me, my Galactus. Ah, amazing. So good. So very good. That was better than the fighting of the Celestials. Yeah. And you didn't really see that coming, did you? No, no, you do not. (laughs) Rise, rise, rise to me, my Galactus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, You got the power to bring something back to help you mop up. Mm -hmm. That would be it. That would definitely be it. And this was a Galactus that had feasted on four planets in anticipation of fighting these four Celestials. Yeah. This is a, this is a topped up, this is a top tier Galactus. And what's interesting on that is Galactus and, you know, Harold Galactus defeated two Celestials. Franklin yeah. defeated two Celestials. So it's just like they're on par with each other that way. So pretty impressive. Yeah. And, and this goes to some of the bigger picture things that I think really get introduced here and they're placed throughout Marvel Universe from, Universe from this point on. Things, of course, could change, but the idea that Franklin Richards becomes the next Galactus in the next universe kind of take a little bit of hold here. Mm-hmm. And he becomes like the friend of Galactus going forward mm-hmm. because they are equals. Yep. <laughs> yep. He gets to do a little uh, little job shadowing, a little mentorship kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> Thinking back to when Galactus told Reed, your son scares me. Mm-hmm. With good reason. With very good reason. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be his herald, Reed. His herald. <laughs> I'm Galactus. I have heralds. I'm not somebody else's lackey. I got to go. Franklin wants me. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, Franklin. Yeah, th- this changes our entire concept of how we read Franklin is a boy genius. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a whole lot of pieces in here that, that are Really kind of cool, too. And I think probably the most interesting is how Hickman has used Val, Valeria, in Mm -hmm. the entire setup of this. And how Nathaniel has been using her. And she thinks she's the one who's smart. She thinks she's the one who is Mm -hmm. making all these things happen. And she plays an incredibly important role. It's just that when the time comes, she is completely second fiddle. She has played her part, just like everybody else has played her part. Yep. But she is not that important when it comes down to it. No, she had some jobs that she needed to do that uh, she needed to be convinced that she came up with on her own. She needed to be subtly guided to them to do the things that she did. And then she needed to be mushroomed. She needed to be left in the dark. Yeah. It was very much of the, yeah, Val, we needed you to do things. And then we didn't need you anymore. So we shelved you. Thanks for playing. Thanks for playing. Thank you for doing your small part. Yeah, I know you thought you were the big manipulator. You are uh, you were adorable that way. Enjoy your lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating and interesting to see how they used her in this entire setting. And I think it's acceptable. I think that it's interesting. I still, I, I may find her an annoying character, but I think mm-hmm. that it also does make her a little bit more of an interesting character as well. That she can be put in her place like this and that she grows up to be very intelligent and very knowledgeable, but not as conniving. 
Yeah, her future self seemed pretty great. Uh, I do like the fact, too, that Kid Val's all like, but wait, I thought that, you know, she was just flustered on that. And that's, and then future Val's all, yeah. And this happened because at the age we are right now, you cannot be trusted. Yeah. Reed figured it out quick. It was like, it was because the Council of Reeds, right? It was, the whole thing with the Council of Reeds is they give up on the small scale things to focus on the large scale stuff. They gave up yep. on their family. Give up on your home planet. Give up on your family. Move on. Do the greater deeds. And young Val thinks that they were right. She thinks that her father was wrong to leave that and yep. to come back to, to his what? His family? To have like movie nights and popcorn with family? What's the point of that? Well, this was the point. Yeah. This was the point. Having the movie nights, having the picnics, having the family. This is the only reason that they were able to do what they did. Because every other read has said, this is unimportant. Even though Val might have thought that that was the wrong choice to make, it was the right choice because it was what led to their victory. And at the end of the day, we look at Val and we figure out that she is probably a lot more like Doom in many mm-hmm. senses. Mm-hmm. And just kind of her view of things. But it's interesting to say that there are some parts of Doom where you want to put those into read. Mm-hmm. Probably not as much as Val shows here, but hopefully Val as much as Val gets in the in the future. <laughs> <laughs> so it all seems to work, though, and they are able to be successful. I do also find it interesting that reading this book that this is all Franklin's story. Reed yeah, has it, a little yeah. piece of it. But this is not Fantastic Four. They are absolutely sidelined. Yeah, everybody is. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to a spot of that in the final thoughts where I expound an opinion on a thing. But yeah, it was the Franklin show. Yeah. Nathaniel expounds a little bit on some things. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit of Nathaniel talking, but otherwise it's the Franklin show. And everybody yeah. else everybody else being the future foundation kids and standing there and staring and watching what's going on. Yeah, we, we have a cameo appearance by Alex in here, which, okay, fine. That's fine. Fantastic mm-hmm. book. Thank you for inviting us to your show. But when it comes down to it, it's nobody else is important except for Franklin here, which also cheeses off Val as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Why is it about me? <laughs> she, she's the specialist kid and Franklin is a dullard. Oh. It's never about Franklin. Why would it be? Here, give him a block or something and he will be entertained for days with his little mud pit brain. To, to be fair, I, I do think about you the same way. You think about giving me a block? Oh, awesome. I think about you as a blockhead. I have a head that's filled with blocks. I do love Lego. <laughs> I'm sorry. We are not even to rubber and glue moment, but I think maybe it's about time we got into our final thoughts. What do you think, man? We could get there. We could get into there totally. Okay, let's go ahead and move on into final thoughts, and I will try not to insult you as much. Although, I haven't heard what your gallery of greatness picks are. We have nowhere to put them. Everything's destroyed. There is nothing left anywhere because, you know, we're going to put them on the resurrected corpse of Galactus's shoe. That's what we're going to put the gallery of greatness pictures, okay? That works. So what piece of art do we want to slap onto that not rotting meat of Galactus's foot? Jeff, tell me a backup joke one that you find to be hilarious. My joke backup one is on page 23 of Marvel Unlimited, and I call it I Suspect Scrolls. Hmm. Okay. Okay. 
This is after the day's been won and they kind of had some fun. It shows the future foundation with Frank and Valeria staring off into the distance that we've talked about it in the episode where, hey, that's great. You're showing all the future foundation, including two characters that aren't there right now. But yeah, cool. <laughs> so I suspect scrolls. You see, I just called it as my top joke one. They must be standees. <laughs> Because you, you, they went to the shop, they got the mm-hmm. cardboard standees, and they just placed yep. them up. And they, they, they called it good. They called it good. <laughs> yeah. All right. If it, so that was your top. That was my top. Uh, same reasons, though. S- same reasons, though. It's, it just seems, like, very odd and very strange, and especially because we got Val there. And the, wait, the kids are supposed to be over there. And, and yeah, there's a lot of questions I have on there's that There's questions. Picture. Yeah, there's yeah. questions. What's your top one? We have your backup to do still. Oh, my backup one. You're right. You're right. You're right. This is right after they kick the Celestials to the Gas Giant. And they're having a little bit of time to expound, pass energy back and forth. But then we have this lovely scene here where we have Franklin and Frank, mm, mm-hmm. their eyes glow and they look up and they say, they're back. It's Frank times two glowing eyes. Never grow out of being creepy, Frank. Never <laughs> do it. Because it's, it's not one creepy kid. It's one creepy kid and one creepy adult with glowing yep. eyes. Yep. So, yeah. Yep, 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 they yep, yep. Are. They are. They got that. That creepy kid in a horror movie kind of thing going on. Yeah. They're here. Yeah. Very nice. What is your top joke one? My top joke one is on page 24 and I call it, guess what I'm holding? (laughs) And this is after the day's been won and they had some fun. Galactus is Kirby Crackle glowing in front of them with his hands held together like he's shielding something that he's going to bring. Like he's got a little butterfly that he wants to show his friends. What could it be? What's he holding in his hands? Maybe it's a toot. We don't know. Galactus might be a prankster. It's Franklin. There's way too much gas humor that we have gotten this episode. I don't know what's going on. I have no idea what's going on. They got sent to a gas giant. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the Kirby Kirby Crackle stuff could be anything. And also, we're children. So, of course, we're going to make toot jokes. Jeff, have we chosen the same two for our top good art? Is your first one on page 17, which I called To Me, My Galactus? That would be my first one, To Me, My Galactus. Yes, yep. yes, yes. Yeah, that's and, our first one. <laughs> and then would your top be the next page called Me and My Galactus, which is yeah, a splash yeah, that, page? That, 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 that would be right. I would call that Galactus <laughs> yep. Revived. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we can't. I mean, we have to. So we have To Me, Galactus. It is older Frank there with his glowing eyes and his pretty on-point beard mm-hmm. just Kirby Crackle all around with his hands straight forward with Kirby Crackle coming out. To me, my Galactus. The lettering is also spot on on that, too. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's a big old Kirby hand. It's taken yeah. up like half the page. Yep, all blue energy lit. It looks so beautiful. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And, and then following it up with just a giant page with Galactus and little Franklin up there. All that Kirby crackle, all that blue energy coming around from the air and the ground. I it don't get any better than those two pictures. No, I'm sorry. Pretty amazing. Just, just it lay is... it down, put it up on my wall, call it good. Best part of the book. Best yes. part of the culmination of the series. Best everything. So yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, sure, Ghost Rider can go ahead and turn a dead celestial body into... (laughs) Which is pretty sweet. ...into his own fiery space vehicle. That's pretty awesome. But he can't have Galact revived and come to him like a herald. No, it don't happen. 
it do not happen. <laughs> I've already insulted Jeff once, but I think we should have a little more insults going on. Rubber and glue moment. What was the best or most childish insult? My backup. And we talked about this one already. It's where Valeria is talking to Val and she says, at the age you are right now, we can't be trusted. Boom. Done and done. Yep. That is just the knife. Your older self just calling you out as a liar, cheat, yep. and conniver. Chef's kiss. Yeah, Chef's that was good. Kiss. Same. Yeah. Same. That was my backup one. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of insults in this to be found. No, there's a lot of real good cuts. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what was reflected in my top one as well. And my top one was Nathaniel. You see, son, this was the day all your sins caught up to you. Yeah, that's a good one. (laughs) I did not pick that one, but it's a good one. Yeah. I just, once again, it is a, it's like, hey, son, you made mistakes. You've made a lot of mistakes. And your body has been cashing checks, and now your body's got to pay for them. Mm-hmm. And you are out of paper. <laughs> you are. You are 100% you are out of paper. overdrawn. <laughs> yeah, you are in the red. It is not pretty. Yeah. What is your top one? Mine was on page six, and it was after uh, Franklin had sent the Celestials to the gas giant, and Nathaniel's all excited to see Val and Frank, and Frank's all, good to see you made it too, old man. Just old man. Old man. It was about the the biggest insult thing that I could see that was said in anywhere in there. It's kind of making fun of his grandpa, calling him an old man, but also really Nathaniel, just from what I picked up in this, Nathaniel became the father figure to Frank. Yeah. It's making fun of him being grandpa, but at the same time, it's an endearment because it's like Nathaniel's like, son, you made it. Nathaniel called him his son. They cut out that sandwich part, the meat part of the generational sandwich, and just it turned into Frank and Nathaniel just kind of being father and son. I think that that's something else that we we should also mention, too, is that it really becomes apparent that all of this is because Reed was supposed to die here. Yeah. And because Reed died here, what really comes about and what really happens is Nathaniel has raised Franklin and Valeria. Mm-hmm. And going back to what we said at the beginning with your choice of a little come in banter song, this is about fathers and sons. Mm-hmm. Why was all of this done? It's because Franklin missed his dad. He said, my dad died and that's not right. Right. Every son deserves to have a dad. Yeah. And he did everything that he could do to do it. He said, mm-hmm. I'm going to bring dad back. And that's what he did. Yeah. So, man, I guess the only thing I can say about that is Parent of the Year Award, Reed Richards Award for Good Parenting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and with all those thoughts in our heads, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say, good job, Nathaniel. Yep. That's what I said. Not even as a joke. Not even the joke way of it. It's the good parenting. Nathaniel did all of this. Uh, In one way, it was to save his own son, but really, it was for his grandson. Yeah. He was part of this entirety for his grandson so that his grandson could have a father, a proper father figure. And that's... That's a lot. There's a part of this in here, too, where Nathaniel's talking to Reed while Franklin is battling the Mad Celestials and just going, that's our fate as parents, is we give everything we can to these children until we hit a stage where... We're not there anymore, and they are who they're going to be. And that's the fate of being a parent. Yep. So it's the doing everything you can for these little creatures, knowing full well that you might not be there to see their inevitable outcome. Yeah. And that's parenting, and that's sad, but that's the job. Yeah. On the other side, 
This is all Reed's fault. So, oh yeah, <laughs> way to suck it, Reed. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> let's talk about popular and shunned. And hands down, we're gonna go ahead and say best. Frank, yeah, it's Frank. It's yeah. He masterminded this and he resurrected Galactus. There is mm-hmm. nothing else we need to say. He resurrected Galactus, and I'm not talking about Franklin here. I am saying Frank, Frank. is the best. Yep, Frank is the best. Old yep, yep, future yep. version of Frank, the best. Mm-hmm. Easy peasy, simple yep. as pie. Now, what's going to be hard is picking a worst, and I can yeah. tell you what my worst pick is. Go ahead. And that's going to be everyone not named Frank. <laughs> so it just, is really just hard. Because, just because they stood around with their thumbs in their gas in, giants? In, yeah, in their gas giants. Basically, everybody that wasn't Frank did nothing. I'm going to take you one better on that. I'm not going to disagree with you. I'm going to take you one better. That is the easy road. Is to sit around going, wow, that's a lot of power. That's a lot of stuff. We we are in awe. We can't do anything. And we're going to just sit around and watch this happen. Or you can be my choice as worst, which is the person that wasn't one of the wallflowers. And that's Val. Who, yeah, I, yeah. Who pouted that she really wanted <laughs> to be more important in the end. So you could have just sat around and said, wow, this is happening. Instead, you're like, you know, it should have been me. Yeah, I'm going to show you something on my notes right there. And if you look, you can see in brackets is the word Val, Val. next to everyone not named Franklin. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Like like I said, it's a valid effort there, Jeff. I see what you did, but I'm like, there is somebody that went an extra step. Little kid Val. Yeah, she was my, if we have to define it as a person, it was her as the worst. But. Man, again, everybody basically sat around. Nathaniel talked a little bit, but everybody else just kind of was like, "Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily put Nathaniel and Valeria in there. I think Nathaniel and Valeria they had their places and they were, yeah. they were cheerleading everything. Everybody else, Wallflower and the Black Hole is Val. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> she was a real Bentley. <laughs> Oh, I, I, I love Tighten Up the Defense, but I, I don't want to name our worst character after a, one character. I know okay, they yeah. do that in their show, and I, and I just can't do it. I'm like, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that guy. There's, no, there's, so, things about there's so many worst characters. There's so many bad characters to pick from. <laughs> Why limit yourself? Let's go ahead and talk about top grades. Evaluate each issue against the other issues with a member of Power Pack in them. Top of the list, Funeral and Memorial of Johnny Storm. Going down to spot number 12. The Loners, that's where Johnny goes solo. Down at spot number 24, Runaways number four. The kids try to figure out who Vic's daddy is. Spot 36, mm, FF number two, they fix Doom's brain. And bottom, The Loners. This is not a bottom shooter. No. But I'm going to say that this is great issue. It's got some great mm-hmm. moments in it. I don't know. It's not top. No, it is not top. It is. It has a top moment in there. It yes. has... Two panels that make it the best thing ever. If you pull those two panels out, it has a little bit of the problem that a lot of the comics we've been reading lately have with the Celestials, where it's just like people standing and kind of staring. Mm-hmm. Hand beam gets shot, and then there's some people standing and staring, and then an eye beam gets shot. There's not a lot of weight to a lot of the stuff that's going on. Even though yeah. it's big cosmic energy celestial stuff. It, it was good outside of the uh, To Me and My Galactus. I, I'm also going to point out one other thing, too, here is that I, the numbers I gave might be a little off because I all of a sudden realized I'm not seeing last issue in here. So I need to hmm. look at that really quick. So the last one we have at spot number 25. Mm-hmm. So 
that's going to move some couple things down there a bit. Do we think that that is going to be above or below that spot? I think this was better than that. I mean, that had one good moment. And it actually had a few good moments with Power Pack doing things. I think there was more things that were occurring in that one. <laughs> yeah, some extra things occurred. There was neater bits of story. And I think in part that was because we're Power Pack fans. And Power sure. Pack was there doing Power Pack stuff. And that was awesome. They just came in, did some stuff, and then they left. There was neat things that were going on there. and I, But I think that was because it was the one where Power Pack showed up. Okay. So you want to go above that one then? Yeah, I think that this is a, a little bit above. A little bit okay. above that. Man, you know, I'm looking like two above that, the Loner Secret Santa. That was that was an entertaining little read. That was a pretty entertaining little read. I'm looking at Runaways number four. That's where the kids try to figure out where Vic's da- who's Vic's daddy is. There was a lot of stuff that went into that one. I'm yeah. I, if if you want to put this above the what issue the last issue we covered, FF fifteen, I would say that it would be right above it, because I don't know if I would def- I would yeah. go above Runaways. I kind of agree with you on that. I could put it as the new 25. 604 is the new 25. I could see that. We'll do that then, and I will make sure that I get that all straightened around because I'm a horrible person. Not at all, my friend. Not at all. You're busy with a life that requires attention. Well, shucks. Fine, fine, fine. So, we have got that figured out. We've got that placed. I guess that means that we should talk about beer. And we're yes, talking we about Apex Predator. And we know who the Apex Predator is. It's Frank. He's got a Galactus as a herald. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Would this powerful Frank enjoy to sit down? Because he's older. He's not young, Frank. Yes, he's old enough now. He could be doing anything he would. Uh, He'd probably sit and enjoy this. I think, like me, he might say that calling him an apex predator would be a misnomer for this beer. It's a fine beverage. It is not peak of the peak. I would agree with this. Apex predator means it's something that's come out and was going to wipe off your face. Mm -hmm. This is a mellow beer. Yeah. This is a deer enjoying a little bit of the savanna grass, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, and just sitting back and, and, and chilling, chilling by the pool with this herd. That's what this is. This is very much a chilling out, kicking back, just enjoying beverage. Definitely not an apex. I find it to be fine. The flavor hasn't, profile hasn't changed. Still kind of smells like soap to me because, again, my sinuses are screwed up. Mm-hmm. But what's weird is that my taste buds are great, so I can still taste my food. It's, it hasn't changed. I'm going to personally say that this is a good four for me. I, I enjoy this mm-hmm. a lot. I really am enjoying this. I would easily look this out. I would easily have this again. I would easily share this with friends. This is if I'm going out to a bar or something like that, and I want something that I can kind of sit back and drink all night, and I don't have to fight with it. There's a mm-hmm. lot of really good stouts and porters that I love, but I have to sit down with them and fight with them. Yeah, because they challenge you. This is a not a fighting beer. This is a just sitting back and enjoying ourselves beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a victory lap beer. This yeah. is the no 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 worries, no stresses. The day is done. It's great. And we had a fun time with it. For me, it's not super amazing. I would definitely drink it again. I'm going to give it a 3.5. Okay. I think that's the Corona talking, but you know, who am I to judge? Well, I know who somebody to judge is, and that is you and Carrie in kids' perspective. And that's where you talk to your 12-year-old daughter about the issue that we just covered. So, Rick and Carrie, take it away. Hello, Carrie. Hello, Daddy. We are going to talk about Fantastic Four 604. This is the big battle. The big battle with, like, the Celestials and everything. Are you ready? Yep. What would you think about the battle? It wasn't much of a battle. It was... 
few hits, mm-hmm. death, few more hits, mm-hmm. death. Yeah. Oh, and a tiny bit where Galactus came. No biggie. Galactus came back to life. He was actually killed yeah. in another comic book. Yeah. 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 Who brought Galactus back to life? Mr. Franklin. Mr. Franklin. That's how you're referring to him. Mr. Franklin, huh? Just older Franklin. <laughs> What did you think about that moment? Did you like it when he said, to me, my Galactus? It was cool. He got himself a Galactus. Yeah, he did. You know how Galactus usually has people who are his heralds, like the Silver Surfer. I think you saw Frankie Ray. Yes, this time he's the herald, sort of. He's the herald of Franklin. Yeah, more like he was just summoned. Uh, Summoned, he's the same thing. Kind of cool, though, right? A secret weapon. Secret weapon. Yeah, yeah. He's the size of a planet, so it's not really that secret, but yeah. Just at this moment. (laughs) It was a secret from a bunch of people. Not a lot of people really knew, like in the comic, the characters didn't know. Well, I don't think anybody knew that he was going to be doing that until he did it, but hey, here we go. Yeah, now the secret's spoiled. (laughs) What did you think about this comic book overall, though? It seems like you weren't too terribly impressed, or what? Well, it was sort of just... Him being cool, <laughs> and then they talked about some stuff, and then... And then he won the day. Yeah. Hero stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, at the beginning, he just defeated them, and then they came back, he's like, oh, now they're actually kind of hurting, so... He just sent them away while he continued to gather his power, and then when they oh, came yeah, back, yeah. he just kind of killed them. Yeah, he killed them, and then it was kind of fast. I like the epilogue, though. The epilogue was cute. Oh, well, let's talk about that then. The epilogue is where there's a father-son moment between Franklin and and his dad, Reed. Probably, like, the only one. <laughs> <laughs> Reed's not around to be much of a father. Well, I think that's kind of what this is saying, is he's trying to be better at that, right? Yeah. You said you liked that moment, though, right? It was like a cute little epilogue. Although it did make me think the whole series was over, but it wasn't, so. (laughs) No. This big storyline is over. And this was a nice little epilogue or tag on to that. I mean, the story was about Franklin wanting to do whatever he could to change the past so that he doesn't lose his father, right? Yeah, or at least future Franklin. Right, right, future Franklin. So you like the the ending kind of hit you a little bit. You really liked it, huh? Yeah, I thought for once maybe Reed was being a good father. And, like, he's helping Franklin maybe adjust to the powers. Mm, nice. And that's what I was thinking, because it's like, if you fall, or if this flying thing doesn't work, I will catch you, but you're probably going to fly <laughs> anyways, so I might not need to be there. But just, like, a security thing. It, it's also a bit of a trust thing, too. It's like, I'm here to catch you. Trustful. I'm, yeah, yeah. I mean, it sure be nice if your father did things like that with you and was that cool for you but i mean you don't have galactic powers so i really don't care no i don't really have no my power is cats and 10 more cats and i don't like cats so i mean that's where we kind of differ that's that's the line in the sand between us nobody who's watching this can see it but i am wearing cat headphones right now this is true this is a fact this is a fact and they can glow and you bought them with your own money too yeah yeah Enough about my cat headphones. <laughs> so is there anything else you want to talk about this book or or, or the series overall? This is kind of the ending. We, we're going to talk about one more book to finish it up. And I guess we can talk a little bit more then. But how have you felt about this overall storyline that we've read with Fantastic Four and FF? There was 
quite a few confusing parts, but we kind of got through it because continuum. And as I was reading this again, my head was getting all knotted up and I was like, it's the end of the day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just, I work you to death here, don't I? (laughs) It's the comic book. (laughs) All right. We'll talk more about that next issue. But for now, is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Nope. Thank you very much for your time then, Carrie. I love you. Love you too. Rise, rise, rise to me, my Carrie. You're a herald of Franklin now. That's great. You and Galactus. <sighs> Shout out time. We like to recognize those listeners that take some time to write in or leave us a review or chat about us on many social media networks, wherever you can find us. This is for episode 140, FF number 14, 27 minutes. Al Sedano and his podcast, Resurrections, and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. Charles Gears. Chris at BTO and Bat Books. Chris Lydon. Hoover Jeremiah and the Four Million Years Later podcast. Jeremy Daw. Tim Price, the podcrasher, and his podcast, The Outcasters, now featuring with much less Batman. And we also like to thank those wonderful, wonderful people that throw us a buck or two here and there. And I am talking about adorably astonishing and amazing Andrew Burns. Cheerfully cheeky and charming Char Logan. Challenging, cheesy, and chuckling Charles Gears. Destructive and devastating, delightful Damian Witter. Dynamically dangerous and devious Doug Jones. Intelligent, interesting, and innovative Isaac Perry. Justing, joking, and jovial Jeff Pollier. Just jealous and jeweled Jeremy Daw. Muscly, mighty, and meticulous Matthew Birdsey. Mythical and magnificent monologuing Matthew Laserwitz. Steely, salty, and steamy Sailor Bear Zodar. Sad and sickeningly silly Shag Matthews. Tyrannically terrifying and tame Tim Price. Way, way wordy and wobbly Waffles. Weird and wonderfully wacky Wind. Next issue, we are going to be covering FF number 16. And check out what's going on in the Longbox Crusade Network. I'm not doing my monthly Monday movie muck about it anymore, but, you know, check out their stuff. They got cool things there, and you can listen to some of my past episodes. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Jeff and Merck presents a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience of two annoying and ungrateful cats in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Blue Sky at Jeff and Merck Present, Twitter at Jeff and Merck Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Merck Present, our email address, Jeff and Merck Present, all one word at gmail.com or at our website, Jeff and Merck Present.wordpress.com. Also, we got a YouTube channel at Jeff and Merck Present. And if you'd like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick present, all one word. We're also a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we'll be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We We love love you. you. Until next time. Costumes Costumes off. off. Our theme music is 80s action by Kevin McLeod. Also featured in this episode is Spider Eyes by Kevin McLeod. All music is found at acoptic.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 License. Random, <clears throat> random banter time. Herbie, okay, just go. Nathaniel has spent a bunch of time going across. Herbie, you just gotta stop it.